gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Hola, mis amigos y mis amigas, and welcome to episode number 35, Raise Your Raised Bed Game. We have a surprise for you about this one. If you're all caught up with all the recent episodes, then you know that we have been pounding home one really important message to grow clean, healthy, true organic, non-GMO food at home or anywhere that you can for that matter, be it a community garden, a neighborhood garden, or at a friend or family member's home. Just take it over. The world keeps getting crazier and crazier every week, it seems, and life and sustenance has become a real fluid dance that we better know how to dance. Communication is key in life right now, and never has that been more important than in the garden. As gardeners, farmers, growers, we need to know what the plants, the soil, the environment is telling us. We need to listen to the birds the wind, see the bugs that are visiting us right now. We want to ask ourselves, what is the garden trying to tell us? Is it happy? Is it bummed? Is it feeling the stress of the planet? Or is it in harmony with the season, with its growth cycles, with the gardener who has been placed in charge of it? That would be you, by the way. For many of us today, these are big questions. Maybe some of the most important questions that you can be asking yourself. We choose this topic today because many of us new stewards of the earth, the modern gardeners, farmers, and growers who are raising real food in the garden that is nutrient-dense and true organic, are growing at least some of our crops in raised beds. Norma and I thought this was a timely subject matter since growing in raised beds is not always as simple and easy as it looks on TV. Anyone can catch a photo op or two, but to go day to day in and out and grow healthy food that is in a non-natural state is tricky. We have two raised beds that we grow in at home. Norma has many raised beds in intensive production of food at many of her clients' homes and urban farms. You can definitely power out some grub from a raised bed, that's for sure, but keeping it going Transitioning crops, feeding the soil correctly, and properly managing the water, the bugs, and the harvest all play a critical role in the success of your raised bed. There's a lot of ways to do it. There's kits, there's raised bed grow bags, there's watering trough conversions, there's 31 flavors of ice cream for all of your raised bed gardening needs. There's also many reasons that people grow in raised beds. For some of our older pals, it's a heck of a lot easier to grow food 16 inches up into the air than having to get on our hands and knees all day long. For others, they might be growing on a site or a property that may have had some toxicity issues in the past. And for others, maybe that's what they inherited out of space or were told that this is the best way to grow veggies, a raised bed, you've got to do it. Whatever the reason Raised beds have certainly become all the rage in the new uber-modern uber era of mankind. 
the one area of raised beds that I am going to really go after in this episode is... Soil. I bet you could have never guessed that one. It's the sore spot, the broken ankle, the big tummy ache of raised bed gardening. And believe me, I've seen things that people use for soil and raised beds that would make a grown, true organic gardener cry. And in my case, maybe I did. Or maybe I said a thing or two that maybe I'd like to take back. But I won't. I never do. So buckle up, amigos. Off to the soil we go. Hi, it's Norma, biological farmer and producer of the Healthy Garden Podcast. When I first started growing, it was in three-foot-high raised beds in a community garden. I didn't know anything about soil back then, and after about three months of growing, the soil level had gone down by about eight inches. So I had to go to the nearest nursery for more soil to fill up my bed. But I was completely perplexed to see so many choices. There was garden soil, soil conditioner, planting mixes, soil amendments, garden topsoils, and finally, potting soil. I didn't know which one to choose, so I chose the largest bag, which was a bale, and I got two. That bale had large pieces of wood and other ingredients that broke down so much in my plot that again I had to refill three months later. Thankfully, I found Malibu compost exactly around that time. And that's when they had released their Baby Booze potting soil. It's an all-in-one bag that has 25% of their Booze blend compost in it, along with other great ingredients and microbial foods and minerals. It is also organic and non-GMO for your healthy body, and it doesn't shrink like the usual suspects. Go to MalibuCompost.com to get your Baby Booze potting soil or to find a store near you that carries it. Your first investment will last you a long, long time. Where did raised bed gardening come from? 
Was it some cool gardening show idea? Did one of the hat people, the gardening experts, come up with it, with this contraption to sell more of the goodies they hawk? The truth is, raised bed gardening, or its predecessor, dates back centuries to the arachnoid, an Indian culture that lived centuries ago in French Guinea, which later became Colombia. The arachnoid were truly innovative farmers who were long gone before Columbus landed in the New World. Archaeologists found that their farming methods were inspired by ants, termites, and earthworms. The arachnoid grew maize, corn, manioc, cassava, or yucca, and squash upon a matrix of raised beds in flat areas of their coastal marshes that would regularly flood. They would scoop out topsoil from the marsh and turn them upside down, creating mounds, and then bring in soil from other areas to top the mounds or raised beds. They would plant their crops, maintain them, and harvest them from this matrix of raised beds. The areas that the arachnoid farmed are considered unsuitable for farming today. But these pre-Columbian farmers constructed thousands of raised beds in their seasonally flooded coastal savannas. In a paper published by the National Academy of Sciences, they state the arachnoid built conspicuous earthworks, including raised fields, canals, and ponds that enabled them to practice intensive permanent agriculture in this low-lying region with highly seasonal rainfall. The study combined archaeology, archaeobotany, paleoecology, soil science, ecology, and aerial imagery, and was carried out by scientists from Germany, France, and Panama. They were blown away. In a region that receives an average of four meters or 157 inches of rain each year, scientists were puzzled why the mounds had not eroded into obscurity over the centuries. It was because the ants and termites, who'd been living in the raised mounds since before they were abandoned by the arachnoid, have continually rebuilt them with large quantities of new organic matter. And earthworms, attracted to this rich soil, kept the mounds porous, allowing the rain to percolate through it without washing them away. Grasses and other plants keep the mounds stable. The ants and termites' nests occur entirely in the mounds, with none of the low, often submerged areas surrounding them. Researchers speculate that as the fertility of the mounds decreased with the continued crop growing, these ancient farmers may have let their mound matrix fields lay fallow, allowing ants, termites, and worms to replenish the soil's nutrients. This largely forgotten practice of growing crops in marshes and allowing ecological engineers such as ants and termites to replenish nutrients is a technique that has practical uses for all of us. Think about this. We're mimicking nature. And you all know that those soil animals are all part of a healthy biological ecology. And that's what we're constantly promoting. And the only one that we believe is the way to grow a true, healthy, organic garden. How cool is that in terms of raised beds? Will you ever be able to look at your raised bed out in the backyard the same again after what I just told you about the arachnoids? I can't. The raised bed revolution was also seen in Europe way before it became the way to grow in the modern suburbia. 
because of a sudden decline of solar activity around 850 BC, which caused an abrupt shift to a cool and wet climate in Northwest Europe. Food production suddenly became problematic because of shorter and wetter growing seasons and increased night frost. The climate change triggered innovation and the development of a new agricultural system in continental Northwestern Europe. They created a system of farming on raised beds that were laid out in a checked pattern. These raised beds became known as Celtic field beds. This kind of agriculture mitigated the effects of the climate shift by providing better drainage and lessening damage by night frost and thus lengthening the growing season. The advantages of this type of cultivation, soil enrichment, optimum root growth, and positive hydrological effects became very popular and were practiced all over Northwestern Europe. From Britain, Ireland, Belgium, Netherlands, Germany, Denmark, France, Sweden, Poland, and the Baltic states. Raised beds aren't just something that, you know, we thought would look cool in the backyard or would be a nice, you know, architectural piece in the yard. But where they came from originally was out of necessity. And necessity changes as time changes. So as raised beds became closer to what we recognize as modern enclosed raised beds with the rural colonial gardens that varied by region and the national origin of the gardener, the traditional colonial gardens, kitchen gardens, had a few similar characteristics. The settlers built raised beds made out of timbers, saplings, and rocks, which were used as edging material. The beds were square or rectangular and were sized so that the gardener could reach into the bed from the edge. Sound familiar? The men generally built the beds and the women would be usually the ones that would tend to them. At our house, our home, we built them together and we grow them together. But then we aren't colonial settlers, just modern loves who love to garden together. I bet I get to steal a lot more kisses in the garden than any colonial gardener ever did. The raised beds were placed near the cabin. The pathways were usually weedy, but sometimes they would pave them with crushed oyster shells, stone, or planks. For the more well-to-do colonial, you might find crushed stone, brick, or tree bark to pave the areas around the beds. To the colonial gardener, it was all about function over aesthetics. They wanted a vegetable plot close to the house. For me personally, it's 50-50. I'm a bit of an architectural snob. I love aesthetic functionality. Beauty is important to some gardeners, but it's not mandatory. What is, is to garden and grow healthy food and healthy soil, which leads me to the last leg of our historical portion of the tour on raised beds, the French. Yes, viva Francais. French intensive gardening became popular a little over 100 years ago in Paris. Parisians found that they could provide an abundance of fresh vegetables for their large population on relatively small amounts of land. As one might expect from the French, French intensive gardening can be complicated and exacting. But they saw dramatic results by following their six intensive principles. One, soil improvement. I concur. Two, planting and raised beds. 
can be good. Three, spacing plants close together. That can work as well. Companion planting, good. Succession planting, good. And crop rotation, hmm. The Parisians would turn their entire planting area into a series of raised beds with walkways between them. They built beds or simply hoed up soil in three to five foot raised planting areas. They created walkways around the beds that were as narrow as possible so every gardener could easily reach the other side and reach the center of the bed. The more modern, turn-of-the-century, last-century French intensive gardening system of creating raised beds and walkways gave us many of the benefits that are important to us today when planting and raised beds. First, they ensure excellent drainage. Their system ensured that the crowns of the plants were always higher than the paths between the beds. There was never a danger of plants becoming waterlogged. Second, raised beds were obviously off-limits to walking, which meant that the soil would never be recompacted. And lastly, the sun would warm the sides of their raised beds earlier in the spring, which encouraged the germination of seeds in extending the growing season. Next, we're going to move into 2020 with how we garden with our neoclassical post-Columbian, not intensive, kiss me by the raised bed techniques for our ultimate raised bed gardening experience. Hey there, raised bed gardeners. In part two, we're going to give you the tips on revitalizing that old raised bed soil or less than stellar raised bed mix that you're growing in. But we're going to give you a little cheat during this commercial. Booze Blend Compost from Malibu Compost has all of the major and minor nutrients and trace minerals in it that your plants need to grow healthy, tasty, and strong. It's loaded with beneficial microbes and clean, non-GMO sourced organic matter. Get a bag or 10 today at your independent retailer or from the boo at malibucompost.com. I see so many things in gardening that just blow my mind that sometimes I wonder who is teaching the gardening teachers, the experts that have put forth so much misinformation and ridiculousness to the gardening public. So since we're on the topic of raised beds and specifically raising your raised bed game, let's look at some of the biggest things that I see out there in the current gardening landscape. And since we're talking about organic gardening, the organic gardening landscape. 
Organic gardening, as it is practiced today, is generally an oxymoron. My best buds over at Merriam-Webster define an oxymoron as a noun that means a combination of contradictory or incongruous words, such as cruel kindness, or in a broader sense, something such as a concept that is made up of contradictory or incongruous elements. So why would I say such a thing? Because most of the organic gardening products and protocols out there are simply not organic. The term has been hijacked and turned into a good vibrations load of crap. You know what I'm talking about if you listen to the show? GMOs everywhere in the soil products from conventional ag and the garbage, the corn, the soy, the alfalfa that they feed the poor animals on conventional farms. NOP allowed chemicals and pesticides, herbicides, and fungicides, even in organic. Green waste that gets in from free, free city compost, or worse, that organic gardeners are duped into buying in bags because they're labeled organic. It's a sham, a circus, an insane asylum that has the inmates manipulating the caregivers through money and power. It's an oxymoron because of the big money that controls the lawn and garden industry via Big Chemical, which owns Big Ag. And sadly, it owns all of us when we buy into it. Our thought processes, because we're into the marketing freebies from the local independent retailers, and we see the pretty ads of faux organic that are on TV and in print, and they're designed to dupe us, the unsuspecting organic gardeners, We're the ones being led to slaughter along with those poor animals who are killed viciously and cruelly in the conventional ag meat market. Only to have their bones, their blood, their feathers steam, smashed, pulverized, and processed so that you can get the natural fertilizers that they have lied to you about needing in your garden. It's all a lie, a big, horrible, disgusting lie. Okay, deep breath, Randy. So let's jump into the biggest problem with raised bed gardening. Any clues? Soil. That is the number one problem with raised beds. We build these beautiful, well, sometimes beautiful raised beds of oak, cedar, redwood, metal siding. Or in some cases, yes, I've still seen this, railroad ties. Come on, you guys. It's 2020. Does anyone still think creosote-soaked railroad ties are a good option? Even if you stumble onto a garden or inherit one with railroad ties, tear it down and start over, preferably in another spot while you rehab the soil underneath this toxic waste dump. We've walked onto sites to do soil repair and found these raised bed dinosaurs and actually got pushback from the people about keeping them, using them, and putting really beautiful soil and compost in them. And we do what we always do. Tell them, it's been really nice meeting you. We wish you the best of luck with your garden. This goes for the straw bale raised beds that so many people have been keen on in the past several years as well. 
when growing in a straw bale bed or using straw in any garden, what is the number one question that we ask? Source, where did you source this hay? Is it conventional hay that they sprayed with glyphosate as a desiccant to hold it up straight and firm as they chopped it down? Where do you think that glyphosate ends up? In your belly, your gut, because it's in your food. So we've got to fill up our raised beds with soil. The first thing I always hear from people is, that's going to be expensive. Or, how can I do this on the cheap? Or my favorite, can I mix the home cheapo creepo crapo with the good stuff? (laughs) 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 You know what I say to that? It's been nice meeting you. We wish you all the best of luck with your garden. Come on, gang. Buying cheap, crappy soil and then adding a little good stuff is like having the cheap brain surgeon come in to do your brain surgery. But then you have the good guy, the expensive surgeon, come in to peek around a little bit at the botch job and then close you up. Does that make any sense? Where does the food that you are growing in your raised beds get their nutrients? Well, in a true organic garden that you aren't pumping full of phony, fake, and faux organic fertilizer from the soil. It's called mineralization. The microbes in living soil break down organic matter and release nutrient for plants to uptake. And if that's the case, what do we want? Good, clean, safe, healthy, non-GMO, true organic potting soil and compost in our beds. The usual suspects all make raised bed gardening mixes and potting soils for raised beds. Even the M word makes raised bed soil mix that claims 100% organic formula. Again, I'm here to tell you that miracles come from God, not a green and yellow bag. Get my drift? Then many of us turn once again to the, in quote, experts. On social media, the master gardeners, YouTube, and the gardening TV guys for advice on what type of soil or soil mix we should be using in our raised beds. This is an important decision. Most of the lists that I just listed above cannot tell you because they are not true organic gardeners or growers. So skip them. I do. I listen or check in on them once in a while for a good laugh, but certainly not to grow food in my garden that I'm going to be feeding my family. I've heard from them, put 50 to 60% topsoil in your raised beds. This can be sourced from bags or a soil yard. What? Oxymoron alert. Good, clean topsoil? That's as funny as 99% of the junk labeled organic compost, organic potting soil, organic raised bed gardening mix. Again, where was it sourced? Was it tested? And if so, by who? Most topsoil is not clean, not safe, and not what you want to be remediating in your raised bed gardens. Remediation is a great word. It is a noun that means the act or process of remedying. 
If you are buying stuff that has ingredients on the bag like poultry litter, poultry manure, alfalfa meal, bone meal, then you will be remediating your beds if you want to grow clean, healthy, true organic food. The experts also write in their articles to use a reputable compost. What is that? That is another lie that the phony experts perpetrate on the unsuspecting gardener in their blogs and media. 99.9% of the compost and soil out there is not reputable because the sources are not reputable. Make compost from the organic waste from your own true organic garden at home. And if you have to augment, then buy only true organic and non-GMO compost that is tested, true, and real. I don't know about you guys. I don't have time to waste. I don't have time to dig out my raised beds again because everything's getting killed in there or nothing's growing. So at this point, I'm going to tell you something. There's so much more that I want to tell you about raised beds that I'm going to do a second podcast on this. I am going to literally walk you through our raised beds and give you exactly the steps that we did to select the spot, build and make the beds, the soil mix we use, and how to amend soil that you might already have if you need to fix it, what to grow, and how to harvest and maintain your raised beds, including a practical pest management program to keep everything going in the right direction. The first step now is to think about some of the stuff that we've discussed today. Number one being, where and how am I sourcing my soil? Can I get over the cheapness syndrome that so many gardeners seem to have? We start by realizing that we waste so much money on junk, fixes, instant bad karma in the garden with all the products and stuff that we buy, that we get ourselves behind the eight ball and are always fighting an uphill battle. If we throw good money at good stuff and good practices, then we won't have to keep spending as much. If you place your soil budget as the single highest priority in your raised bed garden, then you will already have won the battle. Good soil that gets amended and composted correctly will last for years. Start with the best soil that you can and learn how to grow it. That is one of the key things that we are going to share with you in the next episode, part two of Raise Your Raised Bed Game. That concludes this episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Please post your questions on the Healthy Garden Podcast pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week to learn more about how you can free yourself from the chemical and synthetic trap that's been set to keep you from growing a true, organic, and healthy garden. Until then, happy and healthy gardening.